Week seven is over with. We had some stunning upsets, a lot of shaken playoff hopes for some teams, and some teams are saying, hey, we're not dead yet. We're going to talk about all that and preview some Thursday night action, all that and more coming up on the house call. Welcome back to the Gridiron segment. My name is Kyle. I'm going to be breaking down some Week 7 action with Justin, Sammy, and Lawrence. Before we get to all that, I've got to give a shout-out to our amazing sponsor, Vivid Seats, because we've got hockey starting. We've got the NBA starting. We've got football season in full freaking swing. And before you know it, you're not going to be able to go see any of these. So get yourself to Vivid Seats and go to a sporting event before it's too late. You're going to regret it if you don't. Use the link in our description. Make sure you save some money and get your butt in a seat with Vivid Seats. Now, man, I feel like we have to go right into right into Monday Night Football because there was not a more shocking upset. Well, we might get into a more shocking upset a little bit later, but my goodness, the Minnesota Vikings take down the San Francisco 49ers in a stunning upset in Minnesota. Justin, I'm going to you first. What were your thoughts on the Vikings being able to carve up one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time? Just wow. Like, let, let's just get the big thing out the way first. They did this without arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL and Justin Jefferson. So you know mm -hmm. who opened up that door and just kicked it wide open? Jordan Addison, their first round receiver that they picked up to go alongside Addison. And this was the breakout game that we were looking for when it came to him. He caught what, seven passes for 120 yards? He he six showed, for 120 and two tuds. Look at that. So he had, he balled out this game. Kirk Cousins was showing like, oh, another primetime game. Kirk can't play during this time. And he just shut everybody up, taking out one of the best defenses that we have in the NFL right now. And let's also give it up to the defense, too. Cameron Bynum, two interceptions on the day, really shut down uh, Brock Purdy in that offense, which I want to say that's what the part that shocked me the most because, okay, Kirk Cousins and the offense gearing up. We already know they're an offensive team. But the defense holding their own against that stout Niners offense, that was the bigger shock. No, that one blew me away, especially, you know, when you take into consideration, first six weeks, San Francisco has three turnovers. On Monday Night Football, they had three turnovers. They had the same number of turnovers in the course of the entire season in one night. And like you said, Jordan Addison made a freaking statement. I love the kid. I don't, I don't know how he ended up buried behind KJ Osborne in the Minnesota Vikings death chart. It makes no sense because he's good. He is really damn good. You, you hit the nail right on the head, Justin. Sammy, I'm going to you next. Talk to me a little bit about the Niners. What went wrong, man? What went wrong? I mean, the turnovers, right? And the other fact that the defense was uncharacteristically not getting stops we look at a defense coming into that game that was third and yards allowed they allowed 400 let me make sure i get this number right 452 yards of offense that is unheard of against that kind of defense now it should be said towards the end of the game the linebackers were getting a bit banged up greenlaw and warner at, some, at one point had to exit the game but Throughout that entire game, it felt like Kirk Cousins, who is, in my opinion, I don't think there's any doubt anymore. He is a top 10 quarterback. I don't think anybody should have any if, ands, or buts about it. You do what you play, how you played against that 49ers team, who a lot of people think are the best defense in the league, how Kirk Cousins played, there should be no question. There has to be a market for Kirk Cousins after what he just did without his best receiver. All this time, a lot of people were giving credits weren't giving the credit Kirk Cousins deserved just because Justin Jefferson was his wide receiver one well guess what with Jordan Addison who's a great wide receiver himself he made Jordan Addison look like a wide receiver one in general so we got to also like like Justin said we got to give credit to this uh, Vikings defense the Vikings have Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator, and he has already taken a jump. That, that Vikings defense has already taken a jump, a jump that I did not expect to come so quickly. I thought it would be a lot of growing pains, but here we are. But to, to answer your question, Kyle, 
I think the Niners 100% beat themselves. While all these good things did, all these things for the Vikings were great. At the end of the day, C CMC fumbled, which was a very uncharacteristic. He fumbled the ball. And then you have Brock Purdy throwing two back-to-back -back interceptions on two consecutive drives. Another thing that really isn't doesn't happen very often. Now, the first interception you could argue wasn't his fault. It felt like Jawan Jennings was taking too long to get out of his route. But the second one, I mean, just poor, poor, poor decision making. Throwing a a, a basically a jump ball to Ray Ray McLeod. Like, what's what are we doing here? I'm not worried about the Niners. I still think they're Super Bowl contenders. I still think, despite what this week looked like, I. You, I think it's neck and neck with the Eagles still. Like to even today, after what they showed yesterday, I still think the Niners and Eagles are still neck and neck. But man, the Niners have to get it together, okay? Because these are back-to-back -back losses against teams that they should have beat. Okay, these are teams that they needed to beat. To just, it, it's just like it, it's not like you can't beat PJ. You you lost to PJ Walker, and then you lose to a defense that coming into the season was like. A middle of the pack defense so it's it's getting a bit ridiculous i think the niners got to wake up already because the eagles are starting to run away with this one seed pretty fast yeah absolutely the the top of the nfc is so talent rich between the niners and the eagles you can't make a mistake you can't slip up because you look at the eagles they just go out and get kevin byard they are they're trying to get better even though they're already one of the best teams in the league they went out got a better safety than they had that's gonna be huge for the eagles team and the niners probably should look at getting some level of offensive line depth if trent williams continues to have injury struggles they should look at probably some more you know offensive depth because we saw what happens when you know, when Brock Purdy doesn't have a nuclear arsenal around him, he's not as effective. And yeah, that makes sense. Of course, it makes sense. But I agree, it's not necessarily time to ring the alarm bells in San Francisco. But I think we can raise a couple of eyebrows. Lawrence, I'm going to you. Do you think it's alarm bells or eyebrow raises for the 49ers? Eyebrow raises. I mean, that baby. Two weeks ago, I had the 49ers as the best team, not just in the NFC, but in the entire NFL, right? They were dominant. Lay, everything was working for them. McCaffrey was balling out, and he still is balling out. I mean, he, yeah, he fumbled the ball, but he still caught a touchdown. Um, so he's he's still being productive. Um, but at the end of the day, you do have to take it for what it is, which is back-to-back -back losses. That is something that should raise some eyebrows, especially for a team, um, like, like Sammy said, that those losses have come against two teams that they should have beaten, the Browns and, and now the Vikings. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, start getting panicked about how the 49ers are they going to finish the season like you know the Jets did last season with losses in like loads and losses in a row no they're not they're still going to be one of the best teams in the NFL they're still going to make the playoffs they're still going to be competitive in the playoffs barring any obvious injuries um but what I'm more worried about for them is that they're starting to put out film now of ways to beat them okay they're starting to put out blueprints of how to beat them um, and that's what you can't really do in this league because even teams like the Vikings and other teams that are going to play down the stretch are going to have that tape and look at the things that they've done wrong and how they can put them in a position to, to win, beat the 49ers. Um, I'm more con I'm more interested in what does this mean for the Vikings? You know, before this game, you know, they, they, they were struggling, right? You know, they're a team that probably should be competing for a playoff spot, you know, probably should have been before the season started fighting with the Lions for the top of the NFC North. And they're not doing that. And they, they've had some bad losses. They've had some bad performances. Um, but Kirk Cousins, you know, monster day, monster day, 378 yards passing, 34 out of 45 passes completed, two touchdowns, and only one interception. You know, that's, that's a level, that's a high level of play right there. As, you guys said against the top defense as well. Um, I think the Vikings probably now find themselves at crossroads. You know, the trade deadline's looming. They've got to make a decision as to whether or not um, they they want to keep pushing forwards or whether or not they try and like build for the future. You know, I've, I've heard some things about maybe should they trade Kirk Cousins? Big game like that, his stock's about to go up. Um, they've got an easy next couple of weeks by most team standards. Um, 
I mean, they're not going to play the 49ers again, and they just beat them. So I think they could beat, well, if they beat 49ers, they could probably beat anyone if they, if they do well enough. But they've got to make some decisions. Is this season the one for them? Are they within striking range of the Lions? Record says they're probably a bit far off there, but, you know, the season's actually still fairly early doors. Um, this, this is going to be a massive confidence boost for them and everyone in the building. Um, but no, 49ers don't get worried. This is not this is not anything to read too much into, but they do have to start getting back in the win column. No, absolutely. You can't can't make a deep playoff run if you can't get any momentum going in the regular season. That's and that's just how it is. That's how it's always been. But yeah, no, I am very intrigued by these Minnesota Vikings because just last week we were we were talking about sell mode. You know, what can they get for Kirk Cousins? What can they get for Justin Jefferson? Like offloading their best talent. And then Kirk Cousins comes in, and I, I've got to say it because there's all the all of the you know bad mouthing about primetime Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins now has you know 13 and 21 record in primetime. Not great, not the worst primetime record that we've got. And Justin, plug your ears because Daniel Jones does you know he's one in 11, one in 12 in primetime. So is there a different? you know, opinion that I hold of who the primetime joker is as far as quarterbacks. Yes. And the stats kind of back it up a little bit, but I am very, very excited for those Minnesota Vikings because it was all but over. And now they've rocked the, honestly, everyone's consensus best team in the NFL, because that is what the 49ers were going into this week, even after losing to the Browns, because there was all the, all, all the, you know, excuses in the world to fall back on, you know, no CMC, no Debo, all this. There weren't as many excuses to fall back on in this game. So I think that, you know, San Francisco has got to go to the drawing board a little bit, see what they can adjust to make sure that they can continue the dominance that we saw early on in the season. Um, because they're going to have to if they want to be able to compete for the number one spot against the Eagles because the Eagles looked like right back at it. And Sammy, I'm so sorry, but we do indeed have to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles beating your Miami Dolphins 31 to 17. And Sammy, I'll go to you first since this is your team. Talk to me about it. It looked like it was going to be close early. And then the Eagles just tore, tore through that second half. Well, no, actually we didn't, they didn't tear us up through the second half, but I, I do agree. They did pull away in the final five minutes. Um, for right, reasons right. that I, for reasons, um, that I will not No, you know what? I'm going to get into it. I don't care. Um, look, man, look, I, I rarely am one to, uh, to talk about officiating and I don't like pulling out the, uh, the officials card that they, they are not the reason we lost. We had plenty of mistakes in this game that we should have, you know, cleaned up, uh, the flags that were called on us. I'd say it's a couple that I thought were bang, bang. I, I thought the holding on Julian Hill was not a hold at all whatsoever. Um, but it was mostly the no calls that, that were called on that were not called rather on the Eagles that just had me like, Oh my goodness. It's like the fast interference call on, on Cedric, um, Cedric Wilson. Like, how do you not call that? And then the other the other pass interference on Raheem Mostert where Tua threw the pick. Now, granted, it was a bad ball by Tua, but it's pass interference nonetheless. But I'm not going to dwell on the refs either way because Tyreek Hill dropped a pass, dropped a couple passes that I thought should have been caught, including one Tua threw right on the money to him, and it should have been a touchdown, which led to that no call on pass interference. Um, this was a close game. I know two touchdowns looks like you know, oh, you know, 31 to 17 was, it was a blowout. It wasn't a blowout the, for the majority of the game. It was close. And you could say the Eagles had control of this game for the most part, but they didn't really pull away until the final five, the final quarter where they were just QB sneaking away, like for the entire quarter, pretty much. They had four fourth down conversions on that, on that play. So um, I thought Tua played a good game. Uh, he did throw that one bad pick, but other than that, he was remarkable in terms of accuracy. Um, but we were down three offensive linemen. We were down two of our corners. It was it was just it was just and injuries are a part of the game. 
But we, they weren't. It's not like we were the better team at all. No, this Eagles team just went to the Super Bowl. This Eagles team is very talented. This Eagles team got better. Okay, they like like. I'm gonna call it what it is. We lost this game. Um, I just would. I just wish that there was more integrity to it. I would have easily come in here and say, you know, yeah, we lost easily. It is what it is. But the, the way we lost, it, it kind of just left a bad taste in my mouth. Like I would have just preferred that we just straight up lost. You know what I mean? But it is what it is. The Eagles are a better team than us. And um, man, I still think this AFC East is ours. I still think that we have a chance to get number one in the AFC if we win these next two games, which I am confident we will. Um, th this game just showed that the Eagles are Super Bowl 100% like they're the be one of the best teams in the league and they could be the best team in the league for sure. No doubt. And what I was most impressed about with the Eagles defense was how they were, how they were planning for Mike McDaniel's offense, because it wasn't necessarily trying to shut it down. They were like, no, you can have those little dink and dunk completions, but we're not going to let you get the yards after the catch. They played beautiful bend don't break defense. And it was, it was very, very impressive to see, especially because the Eagles have looked a little bit off to me as opposed to, you know, the kind of juggernaut that they were last year. But don't get it twisted. They are still an amazing team. They're still a very talented team. And those Dolphins, they they hung in there. For what it's worth, like, Sammy, like you said, that score does not necessarily reflect the game script exactly because it felt a lot more competitive going all the way to the fourth quarter. Uh, Lawrence, I'm going to you next. Talk to me a little bit about them Eagles just rolling, rolling right along, and those Dolphins hanging tough, staying hungry. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. Look, okay, you know, Sammy's upset about about certain calls that didn't go their way, and, and he said he'd rather they just lost. And you're in, you're in you're in luck because they did just lose. They lost <laughs> the Eagles. The Eagles were the better team. Oh, of course, yeah, I said that. Um, at the end of the day, right? I'm gonna be a bit bold here. I'm gonna be a bit be a bit argumentative. I'm gonna say the Dolphins, at least in my opinion, are the one team in the league. That gets a lot of attention and a lot of focus when in actuality of the seven games they've played they're five and two the two losses come from buffalo and philly two of the the only two good teams they've played this season right they have beaten down on bad teams you know they struggled against the patriots early season okay fine you know hadn't figured it all out by then fine they put 70 on the broncos no one's saying they're going to make the playoffs at the end of the day I'm going to say the same thing about the Dolphins that I say about the Cowboys. If you want to be good in this league, you need to beat the good teams. And losing 31-17 to the Eagles and 48-20 to the Bills says to me that whilst they are good enough to dominate in a regular season, and they probably still win, will win the AFC East and make the playoffs, I don't see an awful lot in their future in terms of playoff wins this season at least. I mean, look, it's it's... The scoreline might not necessarily reflect kind of how the game went. I'm happy to accept that. But at the end of the day, no calls, bad calls or whatever, you know, you've got to be able to play through adversity and you've got to be able to play through those bad decisions. And with the talent that Miami has, which is one of, arguably probably one of, if not the most talented rosters, maybe bar the Eagles after they had a Kevin Bayard in the league, they haven't managed to, to kind of overcome the two challenges that they need to in order to be at least in my opinion in the conversation for a super bowl you can't expect to win a super bowl if you can't beat teams like buffalo if you can't beat teams like the eagles who who have every chance to make it to the super bowl themselves in the nfc i mean if you look at the two conferences the afc and nfc the afc is so much more competitive right they need to be able to beat teams like the chiefs um buffalo who probably still will make the playoffs um, maybe the Bengals, who you know have always been competitive the last couple couple years, can they do that? I have serious doubts. I mean, look, I don't think their defense is very good. I don't. I think they're relying a lot on a very high powered offense, probably the most high powered offense in the league, and that's fair enough. But when that gets shut down, or when that gets kind of like you know stalled a little bit by a defense that knows what they're doing, like that Ben Ben don't break kind of defense that can contain players like Tyree Kill 
players like Raheem Mostert, I think they're going to struggle. And I think that's exactly what we've seen here. You know, they played against a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And I'm not going to say they got exposed because I think that's a bit harsh, but that you're starting to see now some of the issues that the Dolphins have, which is they just can't win or haven't won at least until now the games that kind of are really indicative of their season. They need to be able to beat teams like Buffalo, like the Eagles, like the Chiefs, like whoever whoever they're going to face in the playoffs. Can they do that? They are yet to. Being down on teams like, you know, Denver um, and whoever else they played is, is not... It's, it's enough to get headlines and it's not to be like, oh, wow, they're a really good team. And they are a really good team. But are they good enough to go all the way? Don't think so. Um, Eagles, very impressive game. Very impressive. I had some doubts, you know, 70 points against the Broncos is going to scare anyone no matter how long ago it was. Um, but holding them to 17 is very impressive. The Eagles look like a real deal. They looked like that last season. They're getting better, which is the scary part. You know, adding Kevin Bayard is terrifying. You know, this is probably, at least now, after the 49ers losses, I would say probably the best team in the league. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some other teams in that conversation. Um, but, you know, Eagles are rolling. Dolphins need to get back in a winning column, but they, they need to do more than just beat bad teams, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And they have the opportunity to be able to rack up some pretty good wins in the next few weeks. And thankfully for the Dolphins, they don't have to face Buffalo again until week 18. And at that point, playoff seating is usually pretty set. But because that's a divisional matchup between two very good teams, keep an eye on that for the last week of the season. That could that could yeah. have some pretty big implications. That I mean, I'm very, very excited for I will add they're playing the Patriots this week. I really hope the Patriots win that. I'm a little bit doubtful. Um, but then the one thing I'm really looking at is week after versus the Chiefs. They need to win that in order to be that's in that a must win. That's a must win, right? I think I agree. I agree. The AFC runs through the Chiefs, right? It has done. They're the reigning I, champs. They right. need to be the Chiefs. I I agree, but I also I also got to say this. Um, there's no issue being, and I'm sorry to take away from your time, Justin. I promise you this will be quick. Um, there's no problem beating up on bad teams. And I understand, you know, there are, there's, that's the notion that we can't beat the good teams. But honestly, I rather beat up on bad teams and be five and two than not beat on the bad teams and be four and three. And I, I, look, you saw the Bills this past week lose to the New England Patriots who were dead in the water. You saw, you saw the Fr San Francisco 49ers who, we all chalked up that game against the Browns as a fluke, and that you know what, you know what, they'll bounce back. Guess what? They lost to the, they lost to the Vikings. Okay, the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. Some of these teams are going are losing. Some of these Super Bowl teams are losing to teams they should beat. Okay. How about the Eagles? The Eagles lost to the Jets with Zach Wilson starting. I understand your notion. I understand the concern. It's a very valid concern, and I'm not discrediting it. But what I'm not going to do is act like this team isn't legit just because we're not. We we're going to need to beat these teams absolutely. But at the end of the day, right now we're five and two, heading heading to back home, and then to Germany to prove ourselves again. So, yeah. I I completely understand your concern, and, and I think it's a valid concern. But I, I, mean, I that's do, why I said they're going to win the East, right? Because they actually do beat the bad teams. Right. Buffalo aren't doing that. They lost right. the Patriots, and I'm a Patriots fan, and we are not a good team right now. But that's right. why the Dolphins are going to win the East because they're not going to drop these trap games or these silly games that you know other teams are. Um, so yeah, I, th I think we agree that they they are beating the bad teams. That's always a good thing. But they need to beat the Chiefs. And I agree. I really hope they yeah. lose the Patriots. I really hope they do. Here's you know, all the yeah. the podcast after they lose the Patriots. Yeah, uh, you wish, you wish. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a very big thing that you want to have, but it won't. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> Something about Miami having New England's number. Justin, talk to me a little bit about those Dolphins and Eagles. Look, I hate the Eagles with a passion. <laughs> I, hate, I hate the Cowboys. I saved the Giants fan for last. Anyways, what I'm going to say about that is the Eagles showed what you can do if you slow down Miami. Like, here's the thing. Tyreek still did Tyreek things. 11 catches, 88 yards, a touchdown. But if you look, 11 for 88, that's only eight yards a catch. He didn't beat you over the top. Neither did Jalen Waddle, which is what they want to do. They're, like you said, Ben, don't break. Don't let this team run all over you because that is where that offense 
lies on. We also see what happens when the Dolphins don't have the running game that we're used to seeing them have. They only got like, what, 48 yards on the ground this game? 45. 45 on the ground. Look at that. And I say a lot of that is Devon Ancient not being there because him and Moser is that one-two punch because they both have similar speed. So one goes out, you're not losing that while the defense is getting tired. So that's where I see it on the Eagles side. Like they really did do a great job of slowing down that Miami offense. Going into what y'all have been saying about Miami and can they beat, you know, the teams that they should beat in order to be a deep playoff team. Here's the thing. The NFL is a any given Sunday league. We are not the NBA. We're not the MLB where you have a seven game series, best team wins. You're really just focusing in the regular season, beat the teams that you have to beat. Get yourself to a place where you can make it into the playoffs. Now, Miami, uh, Kansas City, Buffalo. Yes, these are three teams. Even uh, Jacksonville. These are teams that are vying for that number one seed because everybody wants home field advantage. But I don't think we sound the alarm on Miami not being able to beat these teams because you never know what's going to happen come December, January, when we are in the playoffs and anytime these teams can fall, we all had that fear with Patrick Mahomes with that ankle injury. But unfortunately, Patrick Mahomes is just Patrick Mahomes and he just makes anything work. So I don't want to ring the bell on the Miami Dolphins yet saying that they can't beat the teams that are at the top level of that conference. But we are going to be seeing in the next couple of weeks, can they do it? Even if they don't, doesn't mean that they can't beat them come playoff time. Absolutely. I quote John Madden, the better team doesn't always win. And that is what we are seeing. That's why I like you, Justin. More and more and more. Yeah. yeah. You, you like, like me that. now. We fight during No, 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 no. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah I know. I, I, no, I, 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 I like you all the time, Justin. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we debate on every other show. This is the one time we actually agree on something. Well, we are going to keep on moving right along, and hopefully we keep on agreeing because we've got a couple of quick hits before we get into one more uh, game breakdown from Week 7. We're going to talk a little bit of Browns-Colts, speaking of terrible fucking officiating, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Lions and Ravens, starting off with that one. That one kind of surprised me. Ravens end up beating the ever-loving hell out of the Detroit Lions, 38-6. to It never once felt like it was even close. Um, And I think the Lions are really, really missing David Montgomery right about now. Justin, I'm going to go to you first. Talk to me about what the fuck went wrong with the Lions. It was their trap game. I'm not going to lie to you. That, That was the game that every good team has where you think they're going to win, but they don't win. And they had to unfortunately do that by running into Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So there's nothing really much to say here. It was that one game that everybody's going to have that they're going to lose badly. This is their version of the Cowboys. Again, I hate the Cowboys with passion, losing to the Cardinals. Every team's going to have that one game. So don't ring the bells, nobody. Don't sound the alarms. I still think Detroit is going to win the North. However, after the Vikings played the way they did, maybe that gap just narrowed just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And it was it was so – the big uncharacteristic thing for me about the Lions in that game was giving up five sacks because that, that Lions offensive line is freaking good. They are really good. So for them to, you know, really let the Ravens get after their quarterback as much as they did, I think really changed that that game script very, very early on. Uh, Sammy, I'm going to you next. Talk to me about a good old-fashioned Baltimore beatdown. Yeah, Lamar Jackson has opened the door to being MVP once again. I don't think that's a question. Look, this Detroit defense – uh, it didn't. It wasn't supposed to be as good as it was, but Lamar Jackson brought him back to earth. I mean, it was just an absolute, and it wasn't even like that. He was 
it wasn't even like he was beating him with his legs. He was beating him with the arm. And he was making very confident throws with the arm. And this is what happens when you have receivers that actually catch the ball. It's it's amazing what, what can happen when you have receivers who actually don't have bricks for hands. It's almost like the quarterback can get better stats and be an MVP candidate. Now, as for the Lions, there really isn't much to say other than nothing went right. I just think the Ravens thoroughly had a game plan. They saw it through and through. Jared Goff just didn't have a good game. Um, the wide receiver, uh, nobody on offense really got going except for maybe Jameer Gibbs. But even then, that was like in the back half of the game where it just didn't really matter. So if I'm Lions fans, I'm looking at this and I'm just, okay, throw it away. Because it's on the road against the Ravens. It's against an AFC opponent. You weren't ready for that, but that's okay. It's completely fine because you're gonna lose games like this. You're gonna also you're gonna also win games where you feel like you should have won. It, it, it's gonna happen. Now, I am a bit concerned because there really wasn't any bright spot. Like it was crazy. Like with some of these blowouts that you see around the league, like unexpected blowouts. I'm speaking of. I, like when uh when teams get blown out, there's usually a little bit of fight. Like with the Dolphins, they scored a couple of touchdowns and they were, they were keeping up with the Buffalo Bills until eventually Buffalo stifled them and Buffalo ran away with it. With the Cowboys, it was a close game until the end of the, the fourth where the Cardinals just ran away with it. With this game, it kind of felt like the Lions had no control on either side of the ball and it's and it got ugly. So that's a little concerning, but I still think they're going to win this division pretty handily. Look, I know the Vikings impressed us last night, but I, I still think at the end of the day, the better team is the Detroit Lions. No, absolutely. It was just, I mean, like you said, even, even the rushing attack, it came at a point where the Ravens are playing mostly prevent defense because they knew the Lions had to beat them through the air. So yeah, they're going to give up some running plays. Doesn't matter because that shortens the game. And the Ravens just kind of had their way with the Lions, especially on defense. I mean, Lamar Jackson, four touchdowns on the day, one with his feet, three through the air, 350 yards. Everyone needs to just shut up because the guy is good. I, I can't believe we're still having these conversations of, well, is Lamar Jackson good? Yeah, he's fucking good. He's really good at football. Lawrence, before I get on a tangent about Lamar Jackson, talk to me a little bit about a blowout loss for the Lions. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the 49ers Vikings as the biggest upset of the week. And I'm not going to call this an upset because the Ravens and the Lions are both playoff caliber teams. They're both five and two right now um, after the game. What's the biggest upset about this game is that fact that it wasn't even close. I mean, the Lions are not a bad team. If anything, they're one of the better teams in the league. And looking at the stats from the game, it's actually on paper seemed remarkably close. I mean, even time of possession... Both had one. Both teams had a turnover. The thing that staggers me is that the Ravens were averaging uh, 9.1 yards per play. You know that to me does not sound like Jared Goff played god awful. They had him throwing 55 times. I think someone mentioned they were probably missing David Montgomery, and I think that's definitely true. Jameer Gibbs had a hell of a game, but he's not going to run between the tackles or between the numbers uh, like Montgomery is. And I think that's what they kind of they lacked there. I mean, you can't ask really many quarterbacks in the league to throw 55 times and have a hell of a game uh, and the fact that he only threw one interception despite dropping back 55 times is actually more impressive than anything else um but you can't give up nine nine yards per play you can't do that right that, that's 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 never going to win you football games and that probably is is the one stat that kind of jumps out to me um on defense as as probably the reason why they lost so badly i mean that and they were five for 16 on third down um the Lions are not a bad football team. One bad scoreline does not make you a bad football team, right? Um, you know, they're both five and two. The Lions will still win the North. The Vikings are still, I think they're three and four right now. Okay, so I think there is pretty much daylight between uh, the Lions and anyone else in the in the North. Um, the Vikings probably are the only team that has a chance at catching up. Um, but still, look, don't don't worry about the Lions. Everyone has a bad game. It happens, you know. Um, but you, you can't, you can't let one bad game kind of, you know, uh, pollute the rest of your season. So they need to wipe that off the board. It's done. Can't affect it. Move on to next week, get that bounce back win that you need. Um, 
just just forget about it, right? Short memory as a whole team, not just as a quarterback. Um, so I'm not worried about the Lions at all. Uh, I think both teams are going to be competitive down the line. Um, the Ravens are, you know, in a more competitive division. Um, we all know that the AFC North is so much more competitive than the NFC North. But look, Lamar Jackson saved me in fantasy football. So glad I drafted him. Um, he 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 wasn't having, you know, that he hasn't had that big game this season yet, right? He he hasn't had that, you know, 2019 MVP kind of season game yet this season, uh, and he just has, you know, best player in the field, not even close. Um, three touchdowns, 357 yards passing, I think. Um, yeah, passing alone, 21 for 27. You know, that is MVP level play. If he can keep that up, he definitely will be in the conversation. Like Sammy said, he definitely will. He should be. Uh, he just needs to kind of, you know, f- he's he's figured out how to work it with his new receivers. He's starting to get on the same page as them. He's got some new guys in that room. Uh, he needs to build on that. Um, Lions need to forget about it. Ravens need to keep keep going with that momentum. No, absolutely. And you know what? We're just going to keep with a bunch of folksy quotes because I'm going to quote Ted Lasso now. Be the goldfish. Detroit, be the goldfish. This doesn't define you, but it can if you're not careful. Um, And the Ravens, my goodness, it is just, it's so fun being able to watch Lamar Jackson get more and more comfortable with Monken's offense, get more and more comfortable with his receivers, like you were saying, Lawrence. And man, they might just, you know, barring a Bengals second half of the year run, which they always seem to do. Uh, the Ravens are looking pretty good to be the ones to come out of the uh, AFC North. Uh, we got one more one more quick little snippet, and then we'll hit one more game from Week 7, talk a little Thursday night football. This one's going to go quick because there's only one thing to talk about with the Browns and Colts, and that is one of the worst. Uh, like, bar, uh, I, don't, I don't recall a more just awful game-changing fuck up penalty than what happened at the end of the Browns Colts game. Obviously, you know, I'm talking about the offensive push off that was called defensive holding on the Colts and gave the Browns a short field and basically won them the game. Uh, We'll just go around and talk about it. Justin, was it defensive holding or was it a push off? It was a push off. Um, Thank you. (laughs) It was a push off. Here's the thing about that. We have seen, we have all seen, if you watch any kind of NFL football, if you leave it up to the refs in clutch times, they will screw up the calls. We've seen it in the playoffs. We've seen it in the regular season. We've seen it in preseasons multiple times over. So why are we shocked when they mess up a call again? Let's just keep it a buck. And this is going to be my only point on this. Refs, if it's the fourth quarter, if the game's on the line, let them play. Just, just, just keep the flag right here. Just keep your hat on. Keep the flag here. Unless it's like really blatant, don't do it. No, absolutely. Let them play because, like you said, at a certain point, yes, you got to keep it out of the referee's hands. You don't want another factor deciding a game for you other than what you put on the field. But holy shit, what the Colts put on the field was really damn good. And the Browns got bailed out. Sammy, talk to me about it. Am I just okay? For no what, what, what's frustrating is not put that down. What am I doing? <laughs> Look, but, but what's frustrating is the idea that this was one of the best games of the year. This was one of the best games of the year, bar none. I mean, can you guys name a better one? I can't. Like, it was one wow. of the best games. I, I was watching the condensed highlights and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I have never watched a better game. We saw an amazing performance from both teams battling it out. And it should have been held down. It should have been down to the players to finish off who was going to be the better team. And then here come the officials to completely ruin it. First of all, yes, of course it was a push off. All right. And the fact that this game was so good and it was ruined by these boneheaded officials, it makes the call that much worse. Basically handing the Browns the game when they could have just earned it the natural way. And I especially feel bad for the Colts because the Colts have literally just lost 
their franchise quarterback for the rest of the season and have to start Gardner Minshew, virtually making them directionless. And here you're playing in a game with probably one of the best against probably the best defense in the entire league. And and the and the it makes me so upset because like it should have been down to the players and it just wasn't. Wait, can we also just acknowledge the fact that we're saying that this is like one of the best games of the season and it was basically between two backup quarterbacks? It was between Philip Walker and Gardner Minshew. And everyone knows my opinion about Gardner Minshew. I think he is one of my favorite players in the entire league, bar none. I got to see not one, but two Minshimmies in the end zone. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Minshimmies. Min shimmies. Remember it. Don't you ever forget it. It's Minshew mania, baby. I'll try to forget it, actually. (laughs) Go ahead, Lawrence. My goodness. Get us out of our room. Lawrence, talk us us out of this. We got to talk about another game. um, I'm I'm, going to disagree with Sammy here. He said the Colts have to start Minshew. I'm going to say they get to. They're lucky. You know, he is an electric player. Um, And you know know what? An electric game. Um, The Colts got robbed. That was that was you know one hell of a performance against probably what was going in that game the best defense in the league, uh, and they put thirty eight points up there with a backup quarterback. Um, you know the the issue, right? We're not going to talk about the game because the game is thirty nine thirty eight. Browns won. We all knew they got bailed out, right? It is more concerning to me that there is a trend now where referees are having more and more power to determine the result of a game you know this thing about the boys the bills giants last week yeah 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 yes it was there's a lot of examples of the referees dictating who wins games with bad decisions right and it happens to every team it's not you know it's not personal but it is an issue within the league you know every team gets screwed over by calls you know sammy says the dolphins got screwed by the e in the eagles game i will say that the, the patriots routinely get screwed um other teams will say the patriots routinely pay the refs it doesn't really matter everyone gets stiffed by the referees but it's more concerning to me when it happens in the final moments of the game when it comes down to the wire as a league as a as a sporting body you want to create an environment where games come down to the wire because that is when the game is most interesting and when you ruin those moments those few moments when it is a tight game and get the power to the referees to dictate the outcome that is a problem that the league needs to sort out and if i don't know what that is if that is making every single yet yeah, saints game right there memory in my opinion that was awful nfc championship wasn't it Yep. Abysmal. Oh, Abysmal. You can't have that as a league. And it's been going on for a while now and nothing is getting done. And I think at a certain stage, the commissioner needs to sit down and say, we need to make everything reviewable in those last kind of couple minutes, the last two minutes, because you can't... I would rather have the two-minute drill, the last two minutes of the game last another 10 minutes because they're reviewing every play than have a situation like that where the wrong team wins. The Colts deserve that win. They earned that win. Minchu balled out um you know the brat he made the browns defense look you know pretty poor he put up 38 points um you know the, the colts deserve to win and they were robbed and the league cannot have that as a product it's it's embarrassing quite frankly um a little bit of a harsh take um but you know that was awful i, I tuned in for the last couple minutes of that game after the patriots beat the bills <clears throat> uh and it was hard to watch it was really hard to watch you just you, you had you had to get that in there just a little bit just a little bit. Don't worry, we're gonna get to that game. In little just wins, a little wins in the season. It's the you gotta find the silver linings when you're a team that doesn't have a whole lot going in the future. You gotta find the silver lining. Yeah, but when I, you're a team I, that I, stinks, I absolutely yeah, absolutely. Well, jeez, yeah, really hope you lose. We don't have to. Jeez, we don't have to. Bears fan and a Patriots fan. Like, Jesus. <laughs> You're the only. You're the. I'll only be here all day. Successful team in this episode. So why would you do that? Why would you? <laughs> no. The, the group the Lawrence, I, I absolutely agree. I'm just warning you now. You're gonna get buried, man. You're gonna get buried. <laughs> hey, don't that. worry, man. I don't think I don't it will. Even, even, even if I, the Patriots lose, what are you gonna say? Yeah, you beat a bad team. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I'll say if we beat them by thirty, <laughs> I'll definitely say something. <laughs> 
okay. You can say something's gonna bounce right off. We know we're bad. If we beat the Dolphins, like we beat the Bills. Oh, you know, my. you know, I know, I know a team that should have beaten the New England Patriots uh, last uh, on Sunday, and I'm, we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, let's talk Absolutely. about it. Absolutely, we've got to talk about it because, frankly, the Buffalo Bills were playing from behind the whole game right up until Mac Jones just started reminded us. He reminded us that no, 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 it ain't done yet. I still got some left in the tank, and by God, it made me so what, because I goodness. was ready. I was completely ready watching that game as soon as as soon as the Bills went ahead, and it was like, all right, you know, two minute drill to go win the game. I'm like, eh, that's it, that's over. And then it wasn't. It wasn't, and I was thrilled about it. Um, you know what, Lawrence? Happy birthday, even though it's not your birthday. Talk to me about this one first. Oh, hey, look, you know, before the game started, I was in my jersey. I sent uh, to my family group chat, you know, that Michael Scott meme where it's there, like, I'm ready to get hurt all over again. Put that in the group chat, sat down, watched the game, and not high expectations at all. I saw another 34 nil on the horizons. Um, but, oh, my, you know, the Patriots have the pieces. I've been saying this the entire season. The Patriots have the pieces. They just never put it together. Starts with the offensive line. You know, yeah, people want to chat about Mac Jones being a bust, being, you know, this, that, whatever. You know, Mac Jones had a hell of a game. He's had some good games this season. You know, think back to the Eagles game, the Dolphins game, um, this game. You know, when he's given time and he's, you know, he's got the players around him making plays, he plays at a relatively high level, you know. He's not at the level of Mahomes, obviously, but he plays good football when he isn't put in a position to succeed by the players around him. This week marked at least the first week, probably the last few weeks, three, four weeks, that we've had a decent O-line play. Thank God we had on Wenu at right tackle. Um, Never move him. Never move him. some common sense in the coaching room, putting our best O-line on at right tackle, which is our worst position over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, you, what do you get? You get, a, you get an outcome... You know, where you beat the Bills. And, you know, look, the Bills are not the team they used to be a few seasons ago. And we have beaten the team, the Bills, when they were, you know, one of the best teams in the AFC. Granted, we threw three times the last time that I remember. But, you know, it doesn't matter. We won. It's That's the only thing that matters. Um, offense played well. You know, Matt Jones got his signature win, kind of shut up a lot of critics. And, you know, I... I I really hope this is the start of something really, really interesting to watch, right? I'm not going to sit here and say the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, but they played good football on Sunday. They did. No one can take that away from them. They beat what is a very good football team. The Bills have, you know, every reason to expect to be in the playoffs. The Patriots have none of those reasons to expect to be in the playoffs, and they still beat the Bills, you know. They nearly beat the Eagles, and they nearly beat the Dolphins. They didn't get that comeback win in those last two games when it was close. They got it this time. Mac Jones is trying to is getting some confidence. The rest of the team is getting some confidence. Kendrick Bourne is probably the best offensive threat in the league in the in the team right now. He said in the league in the team right now. That one, I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, no. At least in the, at least in the building, he's their best playmaker. Um, look, it was really great to watch, but at the end of the day, going from one and five to two and five doesn't mean shit if you can't go to three and five. Quite frankly. Um, uh, Bills. I have a, I have a mate who's a Buffalo Bills fan. The temptation to shoot him a message was it was hard to you know ignore. Um, but look, they need to go three and five. They need to beat the Dolphins. Can they? They needed it once. Can they actually finish it? Um, but yeah, embarrassing for the Bills. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. I w you know I will say, really great game out of demario douglas really oh, yeah. fucking great game out of demario douglas that guy pop might, douglas pop douglas baby what that guy might, he might that. be a, he might be a dude he looks just great you know he was able to pop off a pretty big rush as well fucking Kendrick born i don't I, I don't understand like what went off the rails last year with kendrick Bourne and the coaching staff but that was just straight up negligence taking him out he as often as they did. For offense coordinator that's what happened there you go. Matt, I mean, there you go. A, Matt Patricia masterclass right there. What's going to happen when you put a defensive coordinator as offensive coordinator? Oh, wait. Fuck all. 
<laughs> terrible quarterback breaking play that just makes everyone uh, question their entire I love lives. Bill Belichick for that, man. I love Bill Belichick yeah. for that. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, you, you know what? We, we could have a defensive coordinator, offense coordinator. We're still going to win as many Super Bowls as the rest of the East does in the next decade. All right, all right. Can I go? Can Let me hop on you, Kyle. Let me hop on you. No, no, no. No, no, no. Like, you know what matters now? And what matters now is that you guys are two and five. Congratulations. You beat the Bills. Look, let me explain something to you, okay? There is no kind of positivity you can make of this. Look, you guys beat the Bills. You know who also almost beat the Bills? The Giants. The Giants stink too. Sorry, Justin. It just It's just the way things are. And, and, and like, you, know, you want to know exactly what i think of this game He's catching strays for you no want to know what I, you want to know what i think of this game i think of this as josh allen being josh allen i think it's the bills being the bills look look i i look i'm gonna give credit to the patriots look i'm a fair person all right despite you know what i keep saying i'm a fair man all right i'm a fair man and i am play fair on both sides I can say that the Patriots suck because they do, but I can also say that they played very well in this game and they had a perfect game plan for Josh Allen. The very first pass, Josh Allen throws an absolute dot to Jabril Peppers. I mean, how, how could you? You got to love it, man. Jabril Peppers is having a great year, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I Look, I, I just think this speaks more on the Bills than it does anything. And this it's not to take away from the Patriots. It's just the fact that these last three weeks, the Bills have been playing terrible. And it's almost like they used all of their juice on the Miami Dolphins and have just lost it against every other school. team. They lost all their juice against the Miami Dolphins. And ever since then, it's just been terrible for them. Never mind the score. Anyway, look, <laughs> it's, it's, it's become... A trend, though. It's as if every single time the Bills are supposed to beat these teams. They're supposed to be these favorites. And they never pull through. Even last year against the Bengals. I'm pretty sure they were the favorites in that game against the against the Bengals. And they lost by like two touchdowns. Inexcusable. And Josh Allen did not play very well. Look, I, I got to say it, man. Sean McDermott, if he doesn't make things happen, he has to be in the hot seat. He needs to be in the hot seat. It needs to be said. There's no way this trend should continue to happen. Josh Allen is way too good, right? He is way too talented to constantly ha have to be the only one sho shouldering the load, okay? It's it's, it's become almost ridiculous these last three years. You have Stefan Diggs. He takes that step, and you fail to add somebody else to take them over the moon. Gabe Davis is not the answer. Okay, he's not. All right? But playoff you have, Gabe Davis. You, you thought James Cook was the guy. He's not that guy. Okay, he's not. And Bill Belichick showed you that when he took that depleted team and he hit them in Foxborough and he outplayed you. Okay? And it's, frankly, very inexcusable. I'll give credit to the Patriots. I will. But I think this speaks more on the Bills really not being, really being that team that has regressed, being a team that their window is closing. It's clearly evident to see their window is closing. And if this game and the last three weeks aren't evident of that, I don't know what is. It's closed. No, the, wi it's done. the window is absolutely closing. And Lawrence is saying it's closed. The Justin, is it closing? Is it closed? Do the Bills still have a shot at making a deep playoff run? What do you think? First of all, for that straight bullet, Sammy, I hope Tua throws three picks the next game. But anyways. It's uh, not going to happen. We're going to beat no, him anyway. Jones he's, is he's, out of the he's undefeated. So ring the bell, ring the alarm. The door is closing. I, I've defended Josh Allen all season. I've defended the Bills. But like I said earlier, the name of the game in the NFL, win the games that you're supposed to win to get you into the playoffs. And he is not doing it. He's not doing it. The Bills aren't doing it. And it's a three-dimensional thing. The offense, the defense, the special teams. We this is the one time I'm agree with Sammy now. We almost beat them 14 to 9. You're damn right, you did. And we're a two and five team also. So I'm just leaving it at that. It, it's it's do or die time for the Bills, and it's not looking pretty. No, they've got to make some noise happen, and they have the opportunity to do it this Thursday against 
a frankly just plain old scrappy Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And I think that, uh, you know, I think I'm a lot more excited for this game than I was at the start of the season based on how those Bucks have been playing. Sammy, I'm going to you first. Give me a breakdown of what do you think's going going to happen on Thursday Night Football. Man, the last three teams that the last two teams that the Bills have played against have been teams that are record-wise inferior to them, but they've played to that level. I'm curious to see if they can go against a team in Tampa that's been relatively competitive this year. I want to see if they can go above and beyond and make a statement. They need to win this game. I won't I won't sugarcoat it. They need to win this game because if they because it's at 500. And at this point if you're trying to compete with the Dolphins or stay ahead of the Jets, what? Stay ahead of the Jets that there's a you have to win these games. Look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as impressive as they have looked they're still a limited offense. Okay, they are. Their defense has surprised a lot of people, but granted, look, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, I think they're they themselves, those two players by themselves should be able to overwhelm this defense. It's a matter, it's not a matter of winning this game. It's how you win this game, also. Look, clearly, these last two weeks, you've been very unimpressive, okay? You need to make a statement in Thursday Night Football with the world watching and make a statement and say, hey, we're still a team in the AFC East. We're still a team in the AFC, period. Our window is not closing. This is the game. You have to do it. And if you don't, well, I guess we're all right about him. No, absolutely. And that's at a certain point, and it usually always happens around the trade deadline. Here we are. Welcome. We've almost made it week eight there it's a time to either put up or shut up and this is what i've been saying about the bills the entire you know sean mcdermott era the whole josh allen era they're a good team they're not a super bowl team but they're a good team and i don't have confidence in sean mcdermott as a head coach when i see all of the coordinators that have gone away from buffalo and had success and i see a diminished success in buffalo after that so it really brings me to question how much of it is Sean McDermott? But I'm going to Lawrence next. Lawrence, talk to me about Bucks and Bills. I mean, yeah, look, like I said, I think the Bills' window is closed. They're not the best team in the East anymore. They weren't ever really the best team in the AFC. Um, you know, it's all well and good getting double-digit wins each regular season. If you don't do anything in the playoffs, if your pinnacle is losing in the AFC Championship, ultimately you're going to be remembered for nothing. Um, and I think their window's closing. You know, they've started to leak talent. You know, Tremaine Edmonds over the Bears. You know, they've lost a lot of players to injuries this season. You know, if, if losing to this Patriots team doesn't say this season is is probably one that's not going to end well for them. You know, they're they're on the they're at a risk of not even making the playoffs right now at this, at this kind of stage of the season. They're four and three. This game is not a must win. But in the kind of way, you know, it's, it's hard if they don't. You know, they've got to beat the Buccaneers. They need to go to five and three. If they don't, they're sitting at four and four at the end of this week. Not a nice place to be in, especially when the AFC is as competitive as it is. Look, I'm not going to say their season's done if they lose this because the Bengals are sitting at three and three right now. Uh, they win, they're four and three. So they're pretty much in the same kind of conversation as the Bills are. Two teams that used to be powerhouses but aren't putting it together this season. But the Bills need to get a win. And look, I've been saying pretty much since the season started that Sean McDermott is on the hot seat. He's under the under the radar on the hot seat, right? Because he's had so much success with Buffalo. But he actually hasn't had any success with Buffalo because they've never won the one game that matters, which is the Super Bowl. So, yeah, he's on the hot seat. You know, Josh Allen leads the league in, in turnovers since he entered the league, I think, is, is, that, is that stat? You know, uh -huh. that's that's a pretty ast astounding stat when you think about the level he's playing and the amount of money he's getting paid. He needs to be able to limit that. I mean, beat the Buccaneers, man. You know, we talked about the Dolphins not beating the good teams, but what they do do is beat the bad teams. There's a reason why they're 5-2 and two and the Bills are 4-3. and three. It's because the Dolphins actually get it done against the bad teams. Um, Bills haven't. Bills need to break that trend. Um, can they do it? Absolutely. I mean, look, they've lost, they've leaked talent. They've lost players. They are still a very good football team. Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen are still electric together. 
Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, the rookie. They have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Um, leaking defensive players is is not a recipe for success. Um, and I think this game's going to be a little bit closer than people are imagining. Yeah, the Bills are going to come back and probably win it. Um, bounce back win. We know what you know, kind of how momentum works in this league. They're not going to be happy they lost to a divisional opponent. Um, and I think they're going to try and take out some of that anger on the Buccaneers. But the Buccaneers are sat, sitting at 3-3. Three and three. There's not this major disparity record-wise against the two teams. And quite frankly, out of the two of the teams, I think the Buccaneers have a better chance of making the playoffs right now purely because of how weak the NFC is. So the Buccaneers are going to go into this game thinking, we are playoff contenders. We need to play like it. Buffalo are coming to this game thinking we are not playing up to our standard. We need to fix up or we need to make some serious changes so we can actually come back in a couple of years' time whilst Josh Allen is still young and have another an open the window again. Personally, I think it's closed. You know, they're not building for the future. They're building for the now and the now is not working for them. They need to kind of readjust. Um, but I think the Bills win this, but it's going to be close. No, yeah, and and like you said, they have to win now because there's going to be a lot of money due in the next few years based on how they pushed out their contracts. Pretty much betting on themselves to win a Super Bowl within the last three-ish seasons, and it hasn't happened. And you know, Lawrence, like you said, that's a, that's why Sean McDermott is on the hot seat. I absolutely agree, Justin. I'm going to you next. Who do you think's walking out with the win on Thursday night? Ooh, that's going to depend on one factor. So I just checked the injury report. Uh, Baker Mayfield's there, questionable with a possible knee injury. So maybe probably ends up playing because it is a short week. But if he doesn't play, then I would say the Bills have a better chance. But Bills Mafia, I'm going to need y'all to listen to me really quick. And I need you to pay attention. This is the game that's going to make or break your season right now. Because if the Bills lose this one, it's going to be a shit show. If they win this one, it can still be a shit show. So I'm going to need y'all to break as many tables as you can, do whatever little voodoo y'all have to do. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Do the complete opposite because yeah, it hasn't been working. y'all who have lost y'all four Super Bowls straight. We have to break up the four in a row. We have to bring up the four in a row. We've got some Patriots fans, some Giants fans. Most Dolphins fans. Of course we're going to bring up Four consecutive, one, two, three, four in a row Super Bowl losses. How do you go through tables for like five decades and still lose? How do you do that for a losing franchise, bro? <laughs> now, like for real. Just relocate to a different city where they have like a bad chance like, of winning. You know, Buffalo is. Oh big. my gosh! I mean, that's, at least that we at least we like actually shit. have it doesn't have the it doesn't have enough seats for the season ticket holders. It's not an indoor stadium when that needs to happen at fucking Orchard Park. At least, at least the Dolphins have like this sense of just like casually going through their season of mediocrity with like peace. You guys go through your season season of mediocrity with brain damage. I don't don't understand. You guys have to go through more da brain damage after watching your poverty franchise like lose game after game and go to the playoffs just to lose again and again and again. So like for the life of me, please stop with the brain damage. Just watch the games. <laughs> Here's the difference. Here's the difference between them. You're talking about comparing Miami fans. Miami, you got the beach, you got the nice weather, you got very good Cubanos versus Buffalo, which they have great wings. Nothing's going on in Buffalo but the snow. That's miserable. It's a miserable existence. Boston's pretty cold. I'm down here. Harbors and coastal shit. It's nice. It's not too bad. <laughs> look, man, look, man, living in Miami, it's expensive. But guess what? I live and I can just go wake up and act, like casually go to the beach rather than just wake up, casually walk outside and then freeze, throw myself into a table, have brain damage and watch my team lose. OK, I go to the beach before I watch my team lose. All right, please. My goodness. I think uh, I think the moral of the story on this one is that Buffalo start doing some guided meditation. Start thinking about your choices a little bit really think about it because i'm gonna surprise some people here i got the bucks i got the bucks by a field number one Don't here's the thing we've got a we've got a short week you're traveling you're traveling back home on a short week you're facing a really fucking scrappy 
you know, Tampa Bay Bucks team. The only like really big, like eyebrow raising loss was for me against the Falcons. And they're just coming off of that. So they're going to want to make a statement and say, no, we can still do this because yeah, they're three and three. They lost to the Eagles and the Lions. No one's going to blame them for losing to the Eagles and the Lions. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's why I've got the Bucks by a field goal. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a scrappy close game. And I think the Bills are going to find a way to be the Bills. I really do. Um, so yeah, no, take it to the take it to the bank. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to upset the Buffalo Bills at home in Orchard Park, no less. I can't wait. I can't wait to watch it happen. I know that uh, I know that Sammy is just going to be beside himself because his Dolphins are going to pretty much lock up first in the AFC East after the Bills win or Bills lose, I should say. Um, well, that's the but, well, I I also. I also hope for impossible things. I love the Patriots. You can see the name right here. It's see how I wasn't phased by that? Because I'm not moved, Lawrence. You're gonna have to do better <laughs> than that. Mac Jones is not beating the Mac Jones is not beating Tua ever. And especially not this year. All right. It's not gonna happen. Ever. Ever. All right. You know what? Maybe in the year 2028 20, it'll happen. But like <laughs> until then, like it's it's just it's just not gonna happen. I can't wait till if we lose this week. I'm gonna get so much heat. Oh my god. No, but we're I, I'm not but guess what? I'm not worried because we're gonna win. All right. it, it is what All it right. is. Clip it. Receipts. Receipts, no Rob. Receipts. All right. That's about all the time we have for this episode. It was great hanging out with y'all. Uh until the next time, we've got some exciting Thursday night action. But in the meantime, that's Sammy, that's Justin, that's Lawrence. I'm Kyle. It's been a great time on the Gridiron segment, and we will see you on the next one. He lost their identity and their leader in Patrice Bergeron, who retired in the offseason. They have dumped a lot of the players they picked.